I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Reveille, reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Levity, levity, donk and donkerettes. It is Friday, December 4th, 2020. This right here is Morning Combat. My name is Brian Campbell, the big beige one, one half of your thrice-a-week live duo, The Man in the Other Window on uh, that side. You know him well. No, that side? That, that side, yeah. Uh, he's a hairy bastard, and he's one of the most respected voices in the fight <laughs> sphere today. A native of India, but he bleeds Washington, D.C. at CBS Sports and HQ's own Luke Thomas, Luke, it's Friday. That means orange background, no J, no rules. How you feeling, brother? I'm feeling okay. I know it's a little bit early for you. Also, where were you born? What city, state, country? Uh, Waterbury, Connecticut. Okay, the dirty water. Yes, thank you. Wow, you are Connecticut. You and Brennan Ward. I'm not sure who the king of Connecticut is. It's one of you two. Well, that guy bangs, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Uh, Not so much on this side. Uh, Luke, it's great to be back with you. I, of course, is on day five of my L.A. story, hopping on a jet plane after this show wraps. But uh, did a little NBC Sports Ring City USA boxing last night. Did you happen to see Brandon the Cannon Adams sending that late replacement to hell? I certainly did. I also saw you in your stalker gloves, but they make everyone wear those, including the other dude who was doing interviews, and then uh, Sean uh, Porter and uh, his co-host, whose name I forget. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a good looking little TV project you got going there. But you know what? The, I wish that you know what you guys to get really in like 1980 Street Fighter video game feel. You got to have some people like banging on garbage cans and you know shouting that would be nice. and you know, that kind of. I thing. mean, the OJ gloves are enough. You know, I'm about to. I feel like I'm about to get acquitted here. Uh, but uh, yeah, fun, great stuff we're doing there. We'll be back December 17th at the Wild Card. But Luke, we got a lot to get into today. Let's not forget uh, Showtime, great network. You want to try it today? 30 months free. Go to Showtime. I'm sorry, 30 30 days free. Go to Showtime.com. Obviously, your alternative would be to uh, pound sand. But today would be a good day, Luke, you could say, to join the Showtime Express. Because tonight on Showtime, 9 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, is the debut of Macho the Hector Camacho story. You can certainly hear more about this in my MK interview that's up on YouTube with director Eric Drath. But, uh, Luke, I don't think you've had the chance to screen it yet. Good God, I have, and it is all that and then some. I, I, I'm really excited about this. What's the, uh, what's the run time on that? About two hours or so? I don't know. Time stands still when it's macho time, all right? I was I was deeply involved in that. Okay? I, I went through and, uh, you know, he, for folks who may not know, he retired Sugar Ray Leonard. Now, Leonard was 41 at the time and had, you know, was trying to make a comeback. And Camacho retired him, but, like, he really retired him. Stopped him in the fifth round. 
and Leonard, that was that was it. That was the end of the road for the great Sugar Ray Leonard. And so I fell down a bit of a Camacho rabbit hole. You know, it's funny, man. Everyone thinks about those. Uh, it was obviously his tragic death and those crazy outfits. That dude could box his ass off, oh, man. And by the way, yeah. beat up Freddie Roach along the way. Yeah, I mean, he he fought everybody. And obviously the 80s version of him and his prime, maybe before the Edwin Rosario fight, which he did win, but it changed him, is different from the 90s pay-per-view villain we saw. But Luke, in the late 80s, like being a kid and seeing Camacho on the screen, it's like a fly to freaking... Uh, you know, whatever the comparison is. I mean, it's he was so freaking charismatic that you could not take his... Remember the build of the Vinny Pazienzo fight? I mean, it was insane. It was the first time I learned a, a lot of really bad words. So uh, shout out to Camacho. Enjoy that, Doc. Also, uh, you want to be dressed uh, for success this holiday season. You want to outfit your abuela in something very nice. Please head on over to store.show.com. We got so much MK merch, and it's very comfy. Look, it's very... It's form-fitting... It, it, it really makes me feel like a $100 bill, you know? I broke my uh, MK Tumblr yesterday. Uh, my wife got me those um, things where you can make ice, and it's one giant ball of ice, and you use it for your cocktails. Well, your boy poured himself a little whiskey last night, which I know is totally out of character, and I put the... <laughs> and I put the thing in the whiskey or the in the tumbler and it sliced the tumbler from uh, top to bottom all in one go. It didn't shatter, it just like almost like someone just broke it apart. So, I got to see what was uh, up with the ice. Other than that, the tumblers are great. I have 10 of them. Buy some. 10 of them? No, I have I have 7 of them, I think. 49 of them. Yes, yes. Please support our show and do that. Also, check out our bonus content this week. We are punching a hole into your life with Luke's live chat with Luke's fantastic interview with Dustin Poirier ahead of the January Conor McGregor bout all about his life and career. Also, we know it's a big fight week this weekend. Spence Garcia. We got both fighters on the MK channel, plus Showtime Sean Porter, who will be calling the fight and, uh, and had fights with both of them on the highest level. So a lot of great shoulder content. But enough shoulders, Luke. Uh, we want the meat. We want the big piece. It's time to get into that right now. You want, me to, you want to sell our people anything else or are you good? No, let's rock. All right, all right. It is Friday. BC hosting the show. Let's get you ready for the weekend of fights to come. And it goes down this Saturday in Las Vegas. Another UFC fight night. A little bit of a switcheroo in the main event. We're going to see middleweights. Jack Hermanson originally scheduled to fight Darren Till. Then scheduled to fight Kevin Holland. He's going to get Marvin Vittori at the last minute. Luke, all things considered, not a, not a bad main event. I'm into this. How pivotal will this fight be? For those, uh, you know, that, that the cloudy title picture there below Israel Adesanya at 185. It's clarifying in that sense, right? Because you get guys who below the Whitakers, you know, because Whitaker, by the way, did said he did not deny wanting a title shot. But it looks like UFC has, for the time being, moved on for Izzy's next fight. We obviously know that's supposed to be Jan Blahovich, although I guess we'll see when the details are finally ready. But, you know, so you have Darren Till kind of floating out there. And then Jack Hermanson, he did lose to Jared Cannonier. But he's on the comeback trail now. You get a win over Marvin Vittori. It puts you, it sort of ricochets you kind of to where you were right before then. Maybe top three, top four-ish space. Something like that. Maybe a little bit below. But so let's say four, somewhere in that give or take. Which is a pretty good place to be depending on how things shake out. Especially in a world where COVID is happening. If you can stay COVID free, you just never know uh, when the opportunity knocks what, what you might get. The bigger issue for me is Marvin Vittori. We've seen Hermanson do really well against like Kelvin Gastelum, as we mentioned. But Marvin Vittori has been a guy who's been frustrated by a lack of opportunity, who, you know, came pretty close to beating Adesanya. I thought Adesanya won, but I don't think it's crazy to say that Marvin Vittori fought really well and clearly took at least a round from him. 
So you have Marvin Vittori, also young, big, athletic guy. You know, he's very much full of vinegar and piss when you hear him talk. He's kind of crazy, which is sort of what you want from a prize fighter. BC. for me, this is it's interesting either way. I don't want to I don't want to lie, but to me, it'd be much more interesting if we actually turns out that that tough fight Adesanya had against Vittori early in his UFC run was no accident that he might get it again at a later stage because, oh, by the way, Adesanya is very good. So is Marvin Vittori. You just maybe didn't get a good sense of it early on. I'm actually really looking to see. To me, it's a little bit more. I'm not a showcase for Vittori. I'm just a little bit more interested in that side of the equation. What about you? Yeah, it's certainly. And it's a really good fight. I mean, it, like both guys really streaking at the moment. Uh, maybe the brighter stock is in Vittori for all you said. I mean, he's 3-0 and since that loss to Adesanya in 2018. Uh, working like hell to get a fight. Fights fall apart. Injuries, all that stuff. Uh, he shaved his head for this one, so it's adding to the craziness. He kind of looks like WWE star The Miz, Luke, but I know you don't care about that. But what you do care about is he was supposed to fight Jacare at UFC 256. He's been subbed in. Kevin Holland got subbed out, and now he's going to fight Jacare at UFC 256. So it's an interesting swing of events, but I kind of believe, given Jack Hermanson's hot streak right now, he's won five of six, and with just that one loss to Cannoneer, but, I mean, he 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 whipped up Kel- Kelvin Gastelum. He made a statement in that that you have to believe that a Vittori win over Hermanson, if he can get it, would probably be more valuable and advance him than even one against Jacare. So this is a very interesting fight. Um, Vittori has said this week, everything Hermanson does, I do better. So he doesn't sound like he's worried, yeah, that's, Luke. That's, that's definitely not true. I mean, the, the, Definitely the way not this, true. I was just going to say, the way this fight works is that Vittori is, I think, Hermanson's pretty athletic, but Vittori is big and strong. He's very foundational in everything he's good at. And Hermanson is strong as well, and I think a little bit slicker on the ground, but also takes a little bit more risk. And so that, there's an interesting clash of styles there. I don't know if Vittori's going to be able to keep up with Hermanson's kind of speed chess game on the ground, but if he does, like, so I'm telling you, look out, he's your next guy. Or Hermanson is as good as we think he is, and he will resort, uh, reassert himself into the top of that division. Well, Vittori's style, Luke, tell me if I'm, if I'm sounding filthy or casual or both. It's a little caveman. It's a little high pressure. It's a little, let's turn this thing into a, a, a brawl, a shit show. Can that work the higher he gets up on the elite level? I mean, it caught a younger uh, Adesanya off, off guard, and it was, a, it was a competitive fight. But does he have staying power at the high end with that style in your eyes? Me, me and I think I, he definitely, you're right. He definitely is high pressure, but I don't know that he's caveman-esque. I mean, what you're sort of pointing out is the thing that stands out versus a guy like Hermanson, which is... You know, what does, if I had to ask you, like, what's Marvin Vittori's best weapon? Like, what's his best single strike? You know, Hector Camacho, southpaw, had a great right uppercut, good left hook. Right, you can sort of pinpoint what he was good at. What would you say that in terms of, uh, or how would you identify that for Marvin Vittori? I'm not comparing the two as, like, on equal footing. I'm just saying, what's his signature sort of strike? Adesanya has a question mark kick and, you know, all kinds of stuff. You, nothing really stands out, does it? I mean, to him, he might have a better sense of things, but like to the audience's sense, it's not like he's got any kind of real identifiable, you know, McGregor left hand kind of thing going on. But he's kind of good at a lot of different things, and he doesn't take a lot of risk, but he's not risk averse either. The one thing that he does really well is he, as I mentioned, big, strong, decent wrestling, well rounded, and he's kind of in your face. That pressure is the thing that tends to get him to do a little bit better than he otherwise would if he had a different kind of strategy or approach to the fight game. For me, it's that Hermanson is eventually going to put him in some kind of trouble. Maybe he'll take him down. Maybe he'll take his back. Maybe he'll sit for a leg lock. Right? Who knows? All kinds of different things. Is a guy who doesn't play that kind of game, can he play it long enough like Cannoneer did 
to shut it down and then implement your game or is he going to get caught up in it? I mean, there's a real dividing line in terms of what Hermanson can show you. Kelvin Gastelum, at least for that time being, couldn't pass that test. The question is whether Vittori can. Yeah, I've I've been underrating Jack Hermanson for a long time, and I almost felt like the Cannoneer fight sort of solidified that, but obviously he bounced back with a big win against Gastelum. He's got a great motor. There's a lot to like about his approach, his, his personality. is a fun little interview as well. So looking forward to this. Luke, I don't love the rest of the card. I feel like I say that all the time on these in-betweeners. I mean, look, if you're telling me Montana De La Rosa is going to fight, I'm there. Uh, I'm a big fan of her and her backstory. I thought the UFC Fight Pass uh, documentary series really captured well uh, you think I, you you think you know me? You think the direction I'm going, Luke? Okay, I'm not. I thought you were going to just think, stop at the word back. You think uh, <laughs> you you think I'm going to react here to those uh, thirsty Iwana picks on Instagram this past week? No, but thank you, you know, fifty thousand people for sending them to me. Oh, uh, Luke, yeah. is there anything on this card that moves you outside of the main? Uh, not really. It is. I mean, here's the thing. I always say this. A lot of folks are like, "Oh, cards are worse than ever," and it's like it's true. Yes and no. I mean, the fight game. If you go back and you watch. Again, I saw the Sean Shirk Matt Hughes fight from whatever it was, UFC 40 or something. If you go back and you watch that, like modern fighters are, in terms of their best practices anyway, you know, much, much better than those kinds of fights showcased all the way back in 2004 or whatever it was. So, in that sense, there might be a lot to like. And as we've seen, sometimes these guys are mismatched in a way where you get a lot of decent finishes. You might get some reasonable entertainment out of it. But it's a lot of fighters who are very much on the fringes of the UFC. It's a lot of fighters coming off the Contender Series. It's a lot of fighters who don't cost a lot of money. This is the UFC taking a version of their product, which isn't altogether bad, but it's definitely not the UFC's premier product. I mean, if you had to, if you had to sort of like tear it out, where would this be? This would be, a, you know, not counting the Contender Series, which is guys who aren't even in the UFC. So we're talking about people who are in the UFC. This is their bottom tier product, uh, which again, is going to be better than a lot of regional orgs. You do have a fantastic main event. It's great. Um, you know, Ovin St. Pru was on the card, as you mentioned, Montana De La Rosa. The one that kind of caught my attention and I tweeted about it, Matt Wyman is on this card, dude. Matt wow. Wyman, handsome Matt Wyman. Gone for a long time, comes back and loses two in a row, uh, the first of those quite brutally. And he's looking for, he's lost three of his last four, although one of those losses is from, you know, another another life basically. But two in a row since he returned. And he's scheduled, he's fighting Jordan Levitt, who is very, very good, like... I suspect Matt Wyman will, in fact, lose this contest. Um, and then Nate Landwehr has taken on uh, Movsar Evloev. Uh, I'm sure oh, I'm mispronouncing Nate Landwehr. that. Nate Landwehr, that's the... Um, He's the crazy the hill, guy. The hillbilly guy who screams a lot. Yeah, that's yes. going to be interesting. And then one more name. This dude... I don't know if you've noticed this, BC. I don't know if it's just UFC or if it's... I don't watch enough international MMA anymore to really get a sense of things. We'd have to ask the Grabaka hitman for this one, Kaposa. But... UFC has signed a lot of Georgians. Now, not the ATL Georgia, you know, what can we do for you, Outcast and uh, Killer Mike and all that. I mean the ones from, you know, the other side of the world. Uh, they got this dude, Roman, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Dolidze, D-O-L-I-D-Z-E. He's a maniac, too. All those Georgians are actually pretty goddamn good. Um, and he is back against John Alon, who is a 13-5 uh, Brazilian. So... Some interesting names on there, a little bit all the way around, but no, not look that at good. look at John Volante in the in the damn curtain jerker, Luke. Uh, opening against up Jake there Collier, dude, who put on so much weight. Did you? Yikes, see, did you, you were gonna say? You, 
I was going to say, in one year, do you think John Volante is uh, throwing punches in BKFC or uh, getting his real estate license for Ally Quinta's empire? Well, you know, these are very rude questions, which I, you know, somebody like me, I don't say rude things, BC. But I'll tell you this, 17 and 12, I mean, we're not so much in racial Ostovich territory, but we're, you know, not all that far from it. He has uh, curves, though. He has curves at heavyweight, similar to Ostovich. you got to give him credit, right? Yeah, not the same kind that I want to look at, but, you know, to each his own. Lewis Smoke is on the card. You know, Justin Janes is on the card. Um, there's some, there's some, look, there's totally respectable talent. But in terms of yeah. the UFC's premier product, this is pretty far from it. You mentioned Joseph Gordon-Levitt on the card. Loved him in 50 Days of Summer, by the way. Uh, fantastic little uh, sweetheart of a movie there. I did, not hey, like him. I did not like him as Robin in the Batman movies. No, 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 no. Let's hit our second topic, Luke. Uh, and I got, I got to bring you in quick on this one. Uh, the USADA police are back, Luke, and they're slapping mm. wrists. Uh, you want to you want to smoke that weed? They got, they're they're, they're going to be at your door, okay? Yair no, Rodriguez. This was uh, the... Oh, well, okay, yes, go ahead, sorry. Yes, sorry. There's different violations here, but Yair Rodriguez suspended six months, this time, in this case, because he failed to update his whereabout information and was unavailable three times in a 12-month period when USADA attempted to track him down. That's a violation under the UFC anti-doping policy. Um, Luke, the rules are pretty simple. This doesn't seem like a typical USADA F job, right? Yair F'd up, and you got to pay the piper. Yeah, I mean, uh, Christian Coleman, who is this uh, uh, decorated, I think he's either the Olympic or reigning world champion, one of the two, he just got a two-year fine. Now, he has challenged that in the Court of Arbitration of Sport um, because he had missed, I think, four or five whereabouts uh, situations. But this is like, I mean, again, it's a sort of a long, complicated issue, um, but the basic idea is this. To get the best anti-doping, you have to give athletes the least amount of privacy. So they have to big brother themselves and tell uh, the anti-doping authorities essentially where they're going to be at any given time so that they can be tested. And I know a lot of folks believe athletes don't deserve rights like any normal human being. I don't know why, but some of them do. Uh, But here's the thing. You can clearly go afoul of this, and I'm not suggesting that Yair Rodriguez did, but if I wanted to take steroids or whatever, BC, and I wanted to just miss three failures and I had some kind of excuse I could come up with, you know what they're going to suspend me for? Six months. It's nothing. It's a very, very easy way to get around the system, at least for a short amount of time or however much time you need to do it. Now, yes, you do it enough like Christian Coleman and they will really hammer you. But six months, I'm trying to tell people, y'all can think what you want about sport. This idyllic, this is the ideals of fairness and a level playing field. You could take that shit to another sucker because I don't believe it. Um, and I don't believe it because there's no evidence for it. It's dirty. It it's a- ugly. It's for people who want dirtiness and ugliness. And I do. Wow. Uh, a little pro tip to USADA. You can't find Yair in the future. Check under the cage inside Jackson <laughs> Wink. All right. Tell, say hi to John for us. And uh, just, yeah. All right. Uh, the other USADA wrist slap, Luke, is a ridiculous one. In no, my that's not opinion. USADA. The next one's not USADA. I mean, you got to blame the right people. This is the commission. All right. Well, let me tell you. Uh, crazy welterweight Nico Price hit with a six-month suspension and an $8,500 fine for elevated THC levels. So I assume you're telling me this was a state commission finding out that he smoked a little bit of that sweet Chiba, maybe. I mean, he could be a a, a, a tincture guy or a uh, a uh, straight bud man. Either way, Luke, uh, he's not going to be fighting for a while. Can we let these 
Athletes who put their bodies and minds through absolute hell for our enjoyment. Uh, medicate, please. Can we be done with this? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, well, they didn't do just that. I mean, that it'd be one thing to suspend him in the middle of a global pandemic when work is, you know, short. They find him $8,500. The guy has like four or five kids. So I'm sure that, you know, Christmas will be great thanks to the Nevada Athletic Commission. But worse than that, they overturned his win over Donald Cerrone, BC. They turned uh, it into yeah. a draw or a no contest, I should say. I mean, you want to talk about, okay, the fine is, you know, whatever. It's absurd. And uh, the suspension, not the end of the world, but stupid. You, you took away his best win? Really? We're doing that now? I mean, this is, this is the war on drugs. It was a draw? Oh, so, okay, hold on, hold on. It went from a, to save, yes, to save me a dead wrong. Let me clarify here it, from the producers. Shout out to our it producer went from a draw trying to oh, yeah. prevent on, Luke from losing his shit on some. I know, I know. But hold on. It, either way, it went from a draw to a no contest. Either way, they, but let's say it had been a win, BC. They still would have overturned it. The point being is they're going to fuck with the results of things as a way to stick it to people for marijuana. So before I get the details totally wrong, those are the more correct ones. But the point still stands. They'll overturn these results, BC. For what? For what? These guys yeah. have to train in the most absurd way to compete for the most absurd thing, <clears throat> absurd thing, and they can't even use the medicinal known benefits of marijuana to heal Which themselves. Is legal. Which is legal in many states, and, and certainly medically, it's almost legal universally. I mean, right. um, to quote the great uh, Thoroughgood uh, Jenkins from Half Banked, Luke, four years just for weed? Damn, right? I mean, come on. I thought we were past this. Speaking of weed, though, Luke, uh, Mauro Ronaldo doesn't do a lot of podcasts or interviews. I don't know if you saw him on Dan Canobio's uh, Inside CompuBox Live pod but Moro said it was his life's goal and dream and mission to, uh, you know, pass the Ducci to the left side with Snoop Dogg. And he was able to do that in the state of California after the Tyson Jones fight. And to see the joy in his face from that experience, we all want to be there, right, Luke? Um, I don't know if I, I, I've said this before. I don't know if I want to smoke Snoop's weed. I mean, I'm sure it's good. <laughs> but, dude, even a contact high will just, you know, yes. make you see shit. Uh I li again, I like to keep my pleasures simple and minimal, man. You know, stay in a, stay in a straight and narrow. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but, you know, yeah, USADA sucks, Luke, okay? You, you pulled me to the dark side. Whatever. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, dude, they, these, they, don't, they just don't want athletes to have rights. That's what they don't want. They don't. And they, don't, they can't. You can't have a real anti-doping system 
unless you've just decided the athlete has nothing. And if they have something short of that, which is a little bit of something, there's still plenty of room to cheat. That's what I'm trying to explain to people. There's no real way to do this. Um, but, you know, people seem to want – people want to lie to themselves, BC. People will tell themselves comforting lies over difficult truths – 10 times out of 10. And I'm the guy who likes to tell people difficult truths, which makes people very angry. But I don't care. So there you go. Wow. Wow. All right. Luke Thomas, everybody. He'll be here all week. Uh, also in the news, Luke, uh, Nick Diaz. Remember him? His manager quoted as saying he will return in 2021. Here's the direct quote uh, from Mubenga. What's the guy's first name? Uh, Kevin, I think. All right. Uh, tr- the, the, he says, "Quote: ninety-nine point nine 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 percent. We just got to get everything else right with the organization. We'll be able to move forward." He's been training. People want to see him. Blah blah blah. Other quotes you don't need to hear. Luke, uh, the great Nick Diaz has of Nick uh, Diaz Jiu Jitsu uh, has not fought since January of 2015. There's the picture from the famous Ariel interview where you know he had a few pops. He was bloated. He was slurring. But I love this guy, Luke, but the dream's over. He can't be in a competitive fight again, right? Am I being too harsh? Well, here's the thing. I don't know the answer to that, but my feeling is you're probably right. And if you are right, the problem is it's not going to happen after one fight. They're going to have to get him beaten several times before they decide that that's not a thing. I mean, look at what it took for people to be like, okay, I think I'm done with BJ Penn. Even now. We're talking about Anderson Silva, and we're like, you know, that's a th- there's some things you could do for him. Uh, passion for these guys, like these, these like folklore figures, of which I would put Nick Diaz in, the passion for them dies very slowly and very hard. So either one or two things is going to happen. One, he's going to come back and still be pretty good, and we'll see. Or he's not going to be pretty good, and he's going to have to take a series of really dramatic L's before folks begin to even think about turning on him. Not turning, but like moving away from him as an attraction. Uh, 37 years old, has not uh, had a win since the first Obama term, Luke. Um, Jesus, really? You know, here's the thing. You never would have guessed. Even with the, you know, he took time off. He finally fought GSP. He took more time off. You never would have guessed, though, that six, seven years later we'd be here. That he only fought basically Anderson Silva, right? And then, Mm -hmm. you know, suspensions and just weirdness. Um it's an interesting turn for a guy who fought so many times as basically a late teenager on the highest level with UFC and Strike Force, and has a really, really good resume, Luke. But I mean, did maybe maybe he needed this mental health wise? He took a lot of damage early. I don't know, Luke. But it's it's sad to see a guy with that much star power not sort of utilize his prime. Can he can he get a couple paydays left? Yeah, sure. Oh. Yeah, but, he's but, got he, dude. He's got at least two big paydays left, minimum. Th- minimum. Then how do you match him, though? How do you match him? Do, are you going to use his name to get somebody else over, yeah. or are you well, going to put him even, in a fun fight? But here's the thing, dude. It's not even how you match him. It's what he's willing to do. Like I had someone on the live chat yesterday ask me, you know, think it'd be a good fight if he fought Tim Means, and I'm like, well, do I think it'd be a fun fight if he competed against Tim Means in some kind of vacuum? Sure. There ain't a chance in hell he's fighting Tim Means. I mean, this dude is only going to fight somebody that interests him, is A-list, or, you know, some combo of their end, like a Masvidal or something like that. Now, if he gets his ass whooped by him, which, again, I'm not declaring to you as the future, but let's say he does, well, then you might begin to start dialing back what is available and what makes sense. But at that point, you begin to get to a situation where it's like, well, what is your 
you in this case Nick Diaz what is his interest level what you know what 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 does he really want to do my hunch is it's a very narrow set of things that will make it easy for the public to accept should he get some wins but it will make it very hard for the public to accept if he gets like really dramatic L's and there's no way to tell exactly which way it will go except there's a, a lot of room for skepticism at this point and once it reaches past a certain place uh, the public might be interested in a certain version of it. I don't know that he is. You know, we're going to have to see what he says. Well, there's plenty of washy fights for him, whether it's a, another fight with Condit and Cowboy or a Mike Perry. God, if I'm matchmaking, I'm making him against Mike Perry right now. But you did make a good point on what he's willing to accept. He's probably, Luke, knowing him, still thinks of himself as, like, the best welterweight in the world, right? Probably. Oh, uh, yeah. Pretty close. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so uh, Masvidal would be a, a monster seller with a built-in storyline, and it would bang, and Jorge would win, right? Uh, Jorge would win. Connor's a good fight. What do you think about Connor versus Nick? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, just for the shenanigans, yes, please. Let's do it. Let's do it right now. Okay. <laughs> you know, you got that whole but, thing going on. So there's a list. I mean, there's fights you can okay, make. Okay, but you know? would would Nate be okay with Nick taking everything that he worked for, though? Yeah, I don't know how that would go. He seems intensely loyal to his brother, which you can understand. I don't, I don't, I don't know how they're going to handle that, you know. And the whole GSP thing is not really available anymore. Although, who the fuck would want? I mean, I could not believe there were people who wanted to see that fight again. Did you not see the first one and how much it absolutely sucked, and how George yeah. just basically wrestled him as minimally like as possible? Moment. Nick had like one moment, I think it was like round three, where he put together a couple punches and you were like, whoa, whoa. Yeah, that moment was fleeting. Uh, speaking of supporting your brother, do you think your older brother blew off my DM attempt to, uh, to Bin Laden you with some inside information out of like, I don't care? Did he never see it? Was it just outright protection for his younger brother, Luke Thomas? He hasn't even brought it up to me. Like, he hasn't even mentioned anything. I mean, we visited him, I don't know, months ago, right? And I took a bunch of pictures of his wife, my sister-in-law, playing with my daughter because uh, the pictures were good, and I thought that she would, might want to see them. So I get home, and I, I, I sent them to my brother. I was like, Matt, send these to your wife. <laughs> and he was like, okay. Six weeks later, I never hear anything from his wife, and she never posts them on social media. I thought it was a little bit weird because she really has an attachment to my daughter. Come to find out, my brother never even gave those to her. Like, oh, just yeah. di didn't even hit forward on the email thing. Nothing. So well, I had to send busy, this to her direct. He was busy making those uh, burgers, putting the weed inside of them. That's what we got. We got to hang out with Matt eventually, all right? I'm, I'm, it's going to be fantastic. He, he does cook well. He does like a mean, mean weed patty, I guess. <laughs> all right. Hey, Luke, um, maybe this bit of news helps the cryptic Habib story coming to focus a little bit more. Maybe not. I'm interested to get your thoughts. Nurmagomedov coming public and saying he is going to make it his mission and go on a, a pursuit to get MMA uh, in a, it's become an official Olympic sport. Uh, he's going to be the, the voice and the, the push behind it. Do you think, well, I, I believe this is a noble cause, and I think he actually is the right sort of uh, poster boy to go down this road. Do you think that sums up the meeting with Dana White and the See You Soon Boy and all that stuff? Because as we sit here right now, the year of our Lord, 2020, he ain't coming back, Luke, okay? He never said yes. He ain't coming back. 
Yeah, I mean, probably is more likely. But let me ask you this, dude. Where are you on the whole MMA and the Olympics thing? Because I will say this very quickly. I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. If it happened, I, I wouldn't argue against it. But this idea like, oh, if we, you know, if we had MMA in the Olympics, wouldn't that be great? I guess. I don't, it doesn't do much for me. Where are you on it? I fully agree with you on that. It would be a, like a one-time curiosity, I would think, for me. Obviously, you'd have to decide whether you're going to have only amateurs in it or whether you're going to allow some kind of pro crossover, which doesn't seem like it would work or make sense. It didn't really work for boxing when they opened that up. A couple pro boxers did try to make the, you know, Hassan Endom, the former middleweight champion, got got uh, lost pretty badly when he tried to make that move against amateurs. But uh, I don't know. I don't feel like it's needed from the standpoint of validation. I mean, how much more validated could, could this whole cage fighting thing be at this point? It's on ESPN with a massive pay-per-view deal, and it's, it's, it's household. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not... It's not bare knuckle. It's not uh, punching Josan's ball bag anymore. It's it's legit. So we don't need that side of it. Um, could I get into the purest idea of country versus country? Nah, not really, Luke. It's just me talking. <laughs> I like real fights. All right, I like I like title belts. I like big purses. I like big butts. I cannot lie. All right. I also like large derrieres. I'll say this: if it was a way to clean up and profess not professionalize in the professional sense of like amateur versus professionalized, but I mean, you know, make it a real invested, organized amateur side of the sport. If that's what going to the Olympics is all about, then I don't really have a problem with it. But you gotta understand something. MMA works really well in the modern age on the matchmaker model, not the tournament model, if the tournament is happening in short order. How are you, first of all, you're not going to have any pros, or at least very few. It would have to be mostly amateurs because the pros, you, oh, what, you got a UFC title shot and you're going to skip out on that to go get an Olympic gold medal? I mean, I don't fucking believe that. Sorry. Number one. Number two, uh, on top of that, if it's a way to clean up the amateurs and make it something, because obviously, you know, amateur boxing is much more of an organized thing than uh, amateur MMA, fine. But because of the nature of the competition, A, they're amateurs, and B, it has to be sustainable for a couple of weeks. Dude, they're going to change the rule set. There's going to be headgear, no elbows, you know, all kinds of stuff. And people are going to get yeah. knocked out and come into tournaments late. Like, it's just I'm not, not what you think it's going to be. MMA. I'm really not into any kind of bastardization of it, you know, like we did with boxing with fewer rounds and headgear for that long stretch and the stupid computer scoring system. No, let's not do it. Let's not do it, okay? Yeah. Right. Or just do it and, then you know, call it something else. But, you know, oh, we, we, we're going to be in the Olympics. Won't everyone love us then? No. All of you donks think COVID is the flu. You suck up to dictators. People hammer each other in the face with elbows. They bleed in the most. Their ears explode on national television. People get sent to the land of wind and ghosts. They have tattoos that are inexplicable to anybody with a set of eyeballs. No, this is going to be what it's going to be. The Olympics ain't going to clean it up for you. So give it up. Luke just wants less QAnon activity on his television screen, apparently. Yes, just less, please. Look, I'd rather use that effort and money and get the MK camera crew with Shomalka and head to India with the three of us, and you could show me where where you were spawned, all right? I <laughs> uh, don't know much about India. I was born there, but that's about it. Got up How and, long you know, did you stay, Luke? Like an six hour? Months. Six months. All right. All right. Look, you've had a fascinating life journey. I'll give you that, okay? Been around, dog. Been I mean, my, my life had... My life was 28 years inside the same factory town. Not, not a lot to report on there. Okay. Thank you. Pretty it great life. My, explains my palate, though. Just the same. Uh, let's close the big topics this week, Luke, with a final look 
And who's going to win this Saturday's big-time Fox pay-per-view, the PBC back in a big way? Welterweight titles, two of them at stake when Errol Spence returns from a 14-month layoff and a very scary car accident to take on really as game of an opponent as you can find at this level, Danny Swift Garcia, the former two-division champion. Uh, if you're looking for a, a, a nice long-winded look at this fight, your boys at the Boxing Hardcores, Rafe Bartholomew and myself, did about 40 minutes on the technical aspects of this fight. But Luke... Uh, we hit the storylines a couple days ago. We know Spence coming back from the accident. We know that is a big thing that we all want to look for. But I think Sean Porter said it said it importantly on this show this week. He said, look, that's the big headline. But headline 1A or 1B, excuse me, is what is Danny Garcia going to do with that? How is he going to uh, tighten these odds in which he's about a 3-1 to one underdog and really find an avenue to success? Luke, we know that Danny Garcia's got the big counter-punching, the one-punch knockout power, all that stuff. Can he win a boxing match here? Can he step on the gas and maybe pressure more? Can he do things we haven't seen him do against the elites to win what is the biggest fight of his career on paper coming in? Spence has got to be a lesser version of himself because if you're asking me who makes smarter decisions, especially as the rounds progress, you know, it's Spence. It's Spence by a fair, oh, I, I won't say considerable margin, but a noticeable margin. He just makes better decisions. Garcia can kind of play the dozens with you for a long amount of time. And if you're not on the level, as we've seen, like the Salka fight, which was, you know, very much not on the level, he will knock your block off. Uh, and he can fight carefully if he needs to as well, if he has a lead. But when he doesn't have the lead and he has to play the catch-up, what kind of traps can he set for a guy who is a very expert trap setter and trap identifier, meaning what you're trying to do? I just don't know. It's like Garcia has many of the elements we talked about. The mean left hook. Uh, he's athletic. Rock chin. Doesn't He's not going to fade with the cardio. Some foot speed issues, but blah, blah, blah. Okay? But he's pretty, he's pretty athletic. He's pretty experienced. But he just doesn't seem to have... There's another order that... you know. I'm not going to say Spence... For MMA fans, I'm not saying Spence and Adesanya are the same. But people who can take a bit of a step back, survey the situation and begin to think about the sixth or seventh chess move ahead of time. He's a little bit like that. And even when people get in his face like Sean Porter did, and I thought Porter had some, some pretty decent success, that's not what Garcia is going to be able to do except in short bursts. But Porter only made the most of that situation, and by the way, still got dropped, but he only made the most of that situation because he could just relentlessly pursue it. So Garcia can do it in spurts, but I don't know how much that gets you he can play the game like Spence, just not at the same kind of level. So the answer is, can he win? Well, yes, provided Spence is not what he once was, which could be true. I, I don't know. I'm just not quite inclined to believe it until I see it. Yeah, so let's look. It's almost there's been two sides to Danny Garcia, two-division champion. He was great at 140. Remember, he was like a under-promoted underdog in the beginning. And he went in there and he upset Americana, knocked him out. And he, you know, he was counted out against Matisse as this big slugger that's going to destroy him. And he showed us his toughness, his boxing ability. But at welterweight, it's been a little bit different. He stayed fairly high in his matchmaking. But the whole idea is, can he win a fight against a fellow elite in which he's behind and has to do something to come back? Or in which he makes very key adjustments to change the complete tenor of the fight. The only real example we have of that is against Keith Thurman. Thurman came out early. He hurt Garcia in the first round with a big hook. He boxed beautifully using some of the same 
patterns and setups that Sean Porter did to outbox Danny Garcia in his only other loss. The difference in the in the Thurman Garcia fight was that Garcia's punching power seemed to eventually uh, discipline Thurman. In the second half of that fight, he stopped being the aggressor. He started circling away. It wasn't necessarily like De La Hoya Trinidad second half, but you saw Thurman who kind of left the back door open. Danny Garcia, to his credit, stepped on the gas. He rallied a bit. He lost 7-5 on two of the three scorecards. But this ain't Keith Thurman. From what we've seen up to this point, it seems, Spence, to, to what you're saying, Luke, is true. I mean, he can do it all. He purposely went out there against Mikey Garcia two fights ago and said, I'm going to box him from the outside and prove to people I can do it. And he pitched a shutout. Then he purposely in the last fight against Sean Porter said, I'm going to go in there and try to stop this guy. He didn't get it because Porter had a fantastic game plan and output, but it was a great fight, an all-action affair in which Spence got his hand raised. So I think we're going to have to be asking Danny Garcia to be something at the elite level that he hasn't been yet. And I think it's very interesting what Porter said to me this week on MK, where, you know, you call yourself elite, but if you're going to go into this fight and maybe make the same mistake you've made in your other biggest fights, right? Two losses for Garcia, both disputed against Porter and Thurman on the scorecards, but both where you're like, maybe Danny should have done a little bit more. Even that Lamont Peterson close win, I felt like Danny left his foot off the gas. Uh, Porter's comment was, are you really elite at the end of the day if you cannot make this adjustment? I'm going to be very interested, Luke, mm. in not only seeing if Spence is still Spence, but seeing if Garcia is willing to take the kind of chances that he hasn't in the past at this level. Because you're never going to dominate him. You're never going to beat him by a wide margin. You're probably not going to knock him out either because he's so smart, durable, and defensively responsible. But I need Danny Garcia to be the attacker and not be the... The, the heavy counterpuncher in this fight. Will it work out for him? I don't know. But you know what's not going to work, Luke? Fighting the Danny Garcia way, right. fighting a Spence who's still there, and losing eight rounds to four, right? Or seven here, rounds to here's, five. Here's the problem with the way you're... I, I agree with you in general, but the problem is if you try to do the, the attacking thing, and of course it, uh, the devil's all in the details, but to the extent it, it incorporates a, a bit of aggression, that means you do have to take some chances with your, with your defense. And that was exactly how Spence dropped uh, Porter late, right? Remember that? Whipped his head around, catching him with a punch uh, in the middle of a combination or at least uh, 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 the end of one. And he didn't see it coming. And it was only there because you had this sort of wave crashing into the shore over and over kind of scenario. He could eventually time the waves, and then he found it. So it's like, is Garcia going to do that too? I mean, to me, honestly, I think you have to switch things up a lot on this guy. You got to give him a ton of different looks. You have to slow him down. You have to get him thinking. And if Garcia is going to lay back a little bit and just kind of hang, Garcia, like, if I had to ask UBC, can Garcia hang with Spence? Yes. He All definitely day. can hang with him. Can he do enough to get over the top? Well, that's the part I'm a little bit skeptical about. Yeah, certainly if he hurts him with a big shot. He can get him out of there, but the whole idea is if you're going to fight on even terms, does he have that extra gear, that extra strategic change, something different? Um, here's an interesting flavor to this fight, though, Luke, and I want to know if you think there's anything to it. I told you Spence outboxed Mikey Garcia like with ease from the outside. We saw this, that the southpaw is quick, smart, great jab, can control distance so beautifully. If you're telling me that Spence is like at least 90% and you're telling me he's just going to box... I'm telling you he's going to win straight up, put the money, you know, at, at the window. But Spence has told me, told a lot of people, 
Um, I'm going to go in there and fight. We're going to feel each other off for a couple rounds, but then it's going to be a fight. And I want to make this a one-sided ass-kicking, a fight. I, I get Spence's makeup, Luke. He didn't want to come back fight against nobody. He didn't want to do anything but get right back in line where he was before the accident, which is owns two of four welterweight titles, is one of your pound-for-pound best in the world, is going to take this fight with Andy Garcia, and then he wants the really, really big names, the Pacquiao's, the Terrence Crawford's, etc. Maybe even Canelo down the line. A lot, a lot of things to talk about there. Uh, do you think him, though, coming in with that mindset, if, if this is believable, that he does want to make a statement, that he wants to stop Danny Garcia, is going to maybe open the door for Danny Garcia to have the best possible chance of success? I'm not one of these guys who reads a lot into it. This is why I don't do a lot of interviews. You know, because I'm not even saying that they're being disingenuous, although many times they are. I'm just going to say something to this fucking reporter just to, you know, get a headline. But even when they mean it, it's like the reality often forces them very quickly out of it. So it's like, one, you might be just lying to me just for lying's sake. And two, even if you mean it, it's just a really hard thing to, to own up to. And when you switch out of that game plan to something that is different or maybe even a little bit less exciting but more winnable... I don't even blame the guy. Dude, Spence was in a terrible car accident. We talked about this. And he's coming back. If you had to fight a little bit more carefully than normal to beat Danny Garcia, would you blame him? No, because if you don't beat Danny Garcia, now you got big fucking problems, man. you got huge problems on your hands, and you don't want those problems. It wouldn't be great if you barely beat a guy you were kind of widely expected to beat, but it would be far worse if you lost. So my view on this is, does he mean those things? Maybe. Impossible to know. If he gets the KO, I will I will certainly say, you know what, he called it. But so many times they try to call it, and more often than not, they might still get the win, but the reality of the fight changes things pretty quickly and they have to go away from it. So I, I don't I, I personally BC I don't read much into those things. That's fair. It's very fair. I do believe though that that's Errol's makeup. He he's gonna do it anyway. I mean he, he said straight up he believes Porter was only as successful as he was right. against him because Spence defied the orders of his own corner who told him to box more and he just kept coming and wanted to make that a fight. So it's going to be yeah. uh, like, very to interesting. To your point, sorry, sorry to see to your point, is that Spence's natural orientation? Yes. So saying as much is not some kind of declaration of change. It's more just like that's just kind of the way it goes. Well, look, the winner of this fight, when you got two or four belts in the in the most important and lucrative, I mean, look, heavyweight is more important when it's populated well and we're getting fights we want. Right now we are. We're in a heavyweight renaissance, but we know welterweight pays the bills in boxing. That's where your big pay-per-views will be. Uh, I don't, you know, we don't like to get too much into the 60-40 talk, Spence and Crawford and all that BS. But Luke, if Errol, Errol Spence's welterweight resume with a win on Saturday would be Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, Mikey Garcia, Kell Brook, Lamont Peterson... Uh, those wins hold up against everybody not named Manny Pacquiao in the welterweight division. So, uh, yeah, this guy's in the driver's seat. It would be interesting to see what name he would throw out there. Uh, it seems like everybody wants Pacquiao now because there's that short window left where he's so financially viable and still really good at the same time where beating him is a monster scalp on your resume. Do you think there's any chance, though, that Spence looks into that microphone and says, uh, Terrence Crawford, get your shit together. Uh, let's do this. I wouldn't mind it, but I think you and I both know that the much bigger... Dude, why would you call out a tougher fight for less money when you can call out a fight that's still tough? I think we both agree Pacquiao's still pretty tough, but a, a, not a, maybe not as tough as Bud. I don't think that's crazy to say. For, uh, <laughs> for if you fight Pacquiao, a shitload more money. I mean, if it was the same challenge and more money, you would still expect him to go with the more money. 
You got one that is easier and it's more money. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe he'll do it. Uh, here's the thing. He might get asked about it, in which case he'll, you know, he'll just, you know, he'll project strength in every direction. But honestly, like, what's his preference? Dude. And also, BC, what would you rather see? Spence Pacquiao or, or Pacquiao McGregor? Oh God! Uh, I'd rather see Crawford Pacquiao, to be honest. You know, like like we talked about, it's going to be interesting to see what Top Rank does for the potential last fight where they have Bud under contract. But uh, um, let's not forget Keith Thurman's name. He did put out a press release uh, yeah. this past week that said, uh, "Corn cornbally enough." It said 2021 called, and they want Keith Thurman back. He has thrown his name out there to potentially face the winner of uh, Spence Garcia. Look, you can clown on Keith with the ponytail and the flu, and, you know, he takes a lot of time off and he gets hurt and all that stuff, Luke. I thought his best performance ever was in that loss to Pacquiao. I think he's still got it, you know? I mean, there's some questions there, but I still need to see Spence Thurman at a very high level. You? Yeah, the haircut, I, I mean, listen, I'm 41. There's a lot about people younger than me I don't understand, which is the old dad thing to say. When you reach this age, and I've never under quite understood his haircut, but I do feel like... um. He's a, a little bit like the forgotten guy, which is funny because he was the guy for a time in that division. But, yes, we should not lose sight of old, was it, one punch, right? One punch Keith Thurman. One time. One time. One time. Is that yeah. what it is? Same Very Wyclef Jean of him. Yes. All right. Um, Good-looking fight, though, obviously. Spence Garcia. Got to see it Saturday. We'll have an a instant reaction afterwards to fill your MK palette hole. All right, Luke, let's get on to... um. A segment that makes you increasingly angry week by week. It's called Dead Wrong. Well, it won't make me angry if the dead wrongs are dead rights and I'm dead wrong. What I don't Look, appreciate we, is when the motherfuckers just don't listen. But okay, let's some of us are hu- humble enough to allow to take a public L. Luke, I'll sit on the L. Okay, I'll sit. Hey, on listen, right on we top both take turns on the throne of L, my friend. That's what that's what this Friday show is all about. All right. Well, BC's about to take one right here. On Wednesday's show, Luke, we talked about basketball video games. You mentioned the NBA one with the big head. Yeah. Big heads. I instantly responded, NBA Jam. Turns out the people are right. I went dead wrong. The arcade game with the giant heads is actually called NBA Showtime. It's Uh. similar to NBA Jam, but the size of the heads is a monster difference. Obviously, NBA Jam, you get... The spinny uh, dunks and the player verticals off the rafters and all that, but a uh, little which bit is of a the, which screw is, up there. What do what do uh, what do basketball video game fans say is the better game? I don't know. I mean, I feel like we all have a little bit more of a nostalgic pull in our heart to NBA Jam without question. And by the way, it still holds up. I play it on Sega Genesis with my kids when I'm able to blow into that cartridge enough to keep, to give it new life. Luke, you ever get back into that game? No. You know, you know what I bought for like, I don't know, was it like 40 bucks, 50 bucks, something like that? I bought it off Amazon. It's the mini uh, Nintendo system, and you, you, you don't put cartridges in there. It just comes loaded with like 200 games. I bought one of those, and I was playing Super Mario 1, 2, and 3 not too long Ooh, ago. It's, it's fun right, for like 30 minutes, and I'm like, these fucking video games suck ass. I'd rather watch pornography. But anyway, that's just me <laughs> speaking out loud. I re- Some guy was trying to get me into a debate on Twitter today be- of Jenna Jameson versus Janine Lindenmuller of, of 90s Queen, and I'm like... Uh, you know. Sylvia Saint is your answer. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, number two, uh, how about I take an L for apparently my lack of celebrity boxing knowledge when getting us hyped for Tyson Jones? And in the instant reaction, I made references to Screech taking on Todd Bridges, a.k.a. Willis, from a different strokes in that short-lived 
but very funny Fox Celebrity Boxing Series from about 20 years ago. Turns out I was wrong, Luke. They never actually fought each other. Dustin Diamond, who played Screech, beat the shit out of Ron Palillo. Remember, he fought. Uh, he was the uh, Welcome Back Cotter guy. And then Todd Bridges uh, really used his jab well to outbox Vanilla Ice and win a three-round <laughs> unanimous decision. So, yes, I'll, I'll take the L. It's like me saying, oh, remember that time I ate five hot dogs? And they're like, well, actually, those were sausage sticks from the, from the you know, gas. Same, same shit in the end. I, you know, it's funny. I feel it. But if someone had told me, hey, remember when, like, Screech fought Todd Bridges? There's a part of your brain that just that sounds so intuitively uh, true. Yes. I didn't even think twice about it. That is hilarious. I did not know. That's funny. I went back and, and watched that series uh, a couple months ago on YouTube just for shits and giggles. And I forgot that uh, Joey Buttafuoco fought China, the wrestler. <laughs> I mean, like, there was like, these were some wild shit. Remember, it was Manute Bowl against Refrigerator Perry? I used to Dude, get so freaking high BC, and watch this. BC, we got to get the, the guy. Who was the genius who said, we got to get Joey Buttafuoco? Which, by the way, if you're at all anything over 20 years old, there, I mean, you just can't get. That's a, that is that. BC, is Joey Buttafuoco the 90s reference? I mean, I can't think of yeah. something more 90s than that guy. But I mean, so wait. The- so he, he was like an auto sales guy in Long Island, and he had cheated on his wife with that, uh, that young Lolita. What was her name? Amy Fisher? Uh, something like that. And then, did he help Amy Fisher conspire to shoot his to attempt to shoot and kill his wife, or did yeah, she so, do that? On so her that own? is my thing. He's an auto body shop owner who had a sexual relationship with a minor, Amy Fisher, who subsequently shot his wife, Mary Joe Buttafuoco, in the face. And I oh, believe yeah. she lived. But the tabloids called Fisher the Long Island Lolita. Remember how many movies they made about that incident when we were kids? Like made for TV movies. It was like there was competing ones on different networks. People love that story. Oh, my God, dude. Joey Buttafuoco got into a boxing match with Amy Fisher's husband. Ooh. <laughs> anyway, uh... dude, we got to find we got to find the producer who made that show, and we need to yes. interview him. Yeah, there's uh, him stories or her, there. Whoever it was. Would that not be great for this show? Yeah, there's freaking stories there. Uh, we used to get real high and watch those weird Fox shows, including that Man vs. Animal show when um, Kobayashi had the hot dog eating contents against that giant bear. Do you remember this, Luke? I know I yes. reference this a lot. I Kobayashi talk about that show all the time. It, he took it so damn seriously, and he was winning until the bear slowly just picked up like 58 hot dogs and then in one bite just, just downed it, and Kobayashi was shattered, Luke, okay? Dude, how about the one where they had the orangutan go against the gymnast? And I couldn't remember if it was like one long obstacle or like a series of obstacles. But you have this fat ass like orangutan scratching his butthole and sniffing his fingers. Meanwhile, you got this fucking jacked gymnast who is so muscular. And like, you know, they, they like go. And the fucking orangutan is just sitting there hanging out like he's loitering in front of a 7 Eleven. Meanwhile, the gymnast is like screaming through. You know, the obstacle course. Finally, the orangutan's like, all right, let me go beat up on this fucking, you know, lesser primate. And just with like three strokes of the swing on the monkey bars, zooms right past him. It was like, I was the most amazing shit. Dude, Fox used to be the dumbest shit back in the day, but the best thing. It was the best thing on television. Somebody raced an animal, I remember, and they got smoked. You can't beat animals. Come on. I mean, seriously, we're still still doing this right now. All right, Luke, uh, time for you to take an L. All right. When ref... What? You all right? It's all right. Yeah. Okay. When referencing the RDA Conor McGregor press conference ahead of UFC 196 and the fight that never happened, uh, you mentioned that Conor wore almost the exact same shirt. 
that Pablo Escobar wore. Mm. Turned out it was El Chapo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, uh, I must have misspoke. Yes, that's. I'll take the L. I did not mean to do that, but yes, it's a famous photo with Chapo going something like this, and the blue sort of like what'd you call that? BC tie dye, something yeah. like that. It was like a tie dye. People are saying kind of he shirt. wore it when he met Sean Penn. I don't know that story, but. Okay, well, anyway, Pablo Escobar dressed uh, much more plainly. Um, Chapo is a little bit more f- flair for the dramatic, I guess you could say. Well, our people are saying that Connor did once post an IG photo of him wearing Pablo's mugshot on a tank top. So, Luke, you, it must have played with your mind and you screwed up your South American uh, dictators, drug traders, all that. Chapo's but, a uh, North American uh, drug lord, not a South American. Maybe He's Central Mexican. American, Luke, yeah. Okay. American. All right. We're all Americans at the end of the day. All right. Uh, I'm going to take an L here on Wednesday's show. I was referencing Muhammad Ali turning around his public image uh, through philanthropy and all that. And I referenced him as a former Black Panther. That is dead wrong, Luke. Uh, Wait, Muhammad you said Ali, he was a Black Panther on the show? I, yeah, I did. Apparently. I don't remember. How did I, I miss guess that? I uh, apparently, he was in the Nation of Islam. Uh, yes. Much different, Luke. No, By the way, the name right. Muhammad Ali is apparently a very... Um, it was an, it's a very coveted name for, I guess, not just for people who convert, but for names generally. And they had saved that name for him because obviously he was initially Cassius Clay. Um, but yes, he was a member of the Nation of Islam, but no, not a Black Panther. Two very, very, I, very different things. I apologize for that uh, that dead wrong there. Uh, Luke, um, let, let's, let's continue this. Apparently people <laughs> are telling me I'm dead wrong for not taking you off the hook of your dead wrong a week ago. So this all started, Luke... When Jennifer Maya made her ring entrance to, to get sent to hell by Valentina Shevchenko, although the, the sending never quite happened. Right. And she walked out to TNT by ACDC. And you I had tweeted said it was about Dirty, dirty Deeds done dirt cheap, right? Well, here's the double dead wrong here, Luke, okay? Last week in defending it, you said, it's the same shit. It's just like everybody knows the Who's Baba oh, O'Reilly. People fuck. call They're it Teenage songs. Wasteland. Those are two different songs, Luke, okay? Yes, TNT and Dirty Deeds have a similar melody to them, but they are two different freaking songs. You are dead wrong. Uh, And so you were dead wrong because when I said that also dead wrong thing, you didn't correct me. No, I didn't. In real time, I didn't correct you, but that does make a lot of sense. So let's put that to bed for good. You're dead wrong. One more additional dead wrong. Um, I was mentioning how rare it is for a boxing match not involving Floyd and Connor or Floyd and, and, uh, and Pacquiao to do more than 1 million buys since Maypac. I was dead wrong to forget that Canelo, when he fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. a couple years back, did Jesus. cross that one million pay-per-view plateau. It was a uh, you know obviously a matchup between two Mexican icons, although the fight blew chunks. And um, I did want to address one thing. People tried to double me up on the dead wrong Luke and say, well, what about uh, AJ, Anthony Joshua? He's doing a million every single time. He's doing a million in the UK every single time. And here's the difference. I'm not trying to be, you know, USA only, but we, when we talk about pay-per-view numbers, we talk about them in the sense of the US because that's how they're tracked. In the UK, they do have a vibrant pay-per-view market, but they traditionally charge like 20 or 30 bucks for the shows, where in the States, we charge 75 $100. So it's not a fair comparison if we charged... Uh, twenty-five bucks here. I think we would we would have ridiculous. Now, hold on a second, though. What's well. the equivalent of thirty English pounds to dollar? So thirty would be about forty bucks. So yeah, in fairness, so they're basically still, half pricing. Less, yes, 
They're half pricing their pay-per-view. So yes, in, in jo- Anthony Joshua is a monster star, uh, especially on that side of the globe. But in the U.S., he has not reached that one million mark. So that's that, Luke. Dead wrong. Um, All right. Thank you. Fair enough. Th- these thank were better this much. week. These were They got us dead to rights on these ones, BC. Okay, we didn't, Luke didn't have to lose. Uh, look, our, Mikey, our producer, Mikey Morms, he was a little nervous at bringing up the uh, TNT thing again to you, Luke. He thought he was going to lose. You thought he was nah, going to lose your shot on him, okay? The only ones right. I just get pissed about when it's like, you said X, and I look at the tape, and it was like, not even, like, no. Like, no. like there's no possible way to interpret that other than being deaf. That's the shit I get angry about. But this, these are all fair. All right. These are all fair game. All right, uh, we're we're breezing through this show today, Luke. It is Friday, right? There's no rules. We could we could put out an hour show. F you if you think differently. But um, it's tip to tip time, Luke. Just for a second, just to see how it feels. We close every Friday, of course, with offering you advice, something to look out for. Did you see uh, the animation? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I want them to play the animation again, and I want you to look in the bottom left hand corner of your screen. Can you play that again? Look at the bot. Look at that. It's them shaking hands through the pants. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's great stuff. It's very manly, Luke. Oh, we are a sad group. Uh, Do you want to share your sad tip first, Luke? Uh, I didn't have much. I kind of joked I was borrowing from Dustin Poirier's Stay Hydrated, just because you've been seeing me. I've been drinking these all show. Uh, But more than that, actually, I'll give you a piece of impromptu uh, advice. I get a lot of questions about my studio setup, and I'm still working on it. Before I want to show everyone what I'm, what I'm doing, I'm building a, a tag board power station over here. Uh, I've got a lot of things going on, but I've repainted it. I've remodeled it. I've got all my equipment set up. It's just a little bit disorganized, and I want to get that organization straight before I get it going for wider consumption. But there is a place I've used routinely. If anyone out there not even wants to be on YouTube, but you want to know a little bit more about how to use maybe your camera phone, make kind of video presentations either for social media, for YouTube, or something else, even just to make fun, creative stuff for yourself or your friends, but also for people who want to make a career out of YouTube, there's a channel that is just invaluable. It's called Think Media. Think Media. Uh, just Google that on, or just search that, I should say, on YouTube. They've got hundreds, if not thousands, of videos. Some of them may pertain to you. Some of them may not. But if you've ever been kind of curious about, hey, how do I do this on YouTube or Instagram or Twitter or with video or editing or cameras or any, anything involved in that world... It's good for beginners and intermediates alike. Once you get advanced, it's a little bit less relevant. But for those two groups, Think Media, lots and lots of good stuff for them. And then, of course, over the weekend, stay hydrated. Thank you very much for that, Luke. I will take that tip. I will receive the tip. Uh, my tip this week is, look, I want to continue where I've been going on this vinyl journey with, with myself and trying to share it with you. And I'll continue to say this. Classic Rock Radio has lied to us. I was a long Classic Rock fan and a music snob. And I love 60s rock. And I love the big bands of the 70s and 90s grunge and a few of the 80s weird stuff as well. I never realized that the 70s is the greatest decade in in music and rock history. And uh, it's not just my expansion into bands like Genesis and Chicago, which, you know, again, Classic Rock Radio painted a certain picture of who you thought they were. I'm finding out... uh, that I'm a fan of so many more things. And one of those things, when you give me five days alone in a Los Angeles hotel room and I can't even leave my room because of quarantine, I'm going to go deep, Luke. I have begun the deep dive on an artist who I have long hated, didn't like her, didn't like what she stood for, didn't like her music. And now I'm head over heels in love because I went for it. Luke, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what the people think about me. I am shamelessly addicted to Joni Mitchell's prime 70s catalog 
her uh, expansion into full-time jazz, her absolutely stunning, incredible, one of the best five albums of all time, 1972's Blue. Uh, I am head over heels in love with this crazy genius and her brilliance is, I mean, look, maybe I'm predisposed maybe to like this because uh, Bob Dylan's my favorite artist of all time, but I assumed that this woman was as annoying as her public image. Uh, And and it's not, she's a freaking genius. And I'm all over uh, ladies of the Canyon, uh, Hegera. I, I mean, I am so damn deep on all things Joni and I don't care what any of you think about me. Uh, how the hell have I gone this long as a credible music fan and, and self-proclaimed snob and not taken the taste test? Luke, I have tasted, I have seen this freaking alien genius is everything I need right now at age 42, stuck in a hotel room. Thank you. I'm not one of these dudes who um, buys into the idea that you have to standardize across races and genders who you read or listen to or uh, watch. Right, but you should ask yourself a question. Go through any books you might have. See how many are male authors. See how many are female. Go through your record collection. See how many are female. See how many are male, and then begin to see if there's any kind of pattern there. And listen, everyone's going to have their own favors or your style. Your you may like a certain style of music that just is not particularly populated by one gender or the other. You know, whatever that may be. Uh, for but I, I began to notice it was like, dude, I. I listen to a lot of dudes all the time, right? I read a lot of books from dudes. I listen to mostly Cannibal Corpse and Vinnie Paz, or when I'm watching, yep. it's blah, blah, blah. I try your now porn, and again your to be library. like... Your huh? porn library. His- Luke, your porn search history. A lot of dudes. It just is what it is, you know? Even then, all roads lead to James Dean. I'm just pointing out, BC, sometimes you got to take a moment to step outside of yourself and say, wait a second... Who is somebody I've maybe never listened to? And it doesn't have to be defined by gender per se, but that can sometimes be an easier way to find something new if you have a predominant trend towards one kind of side of things. And so I don't know if that's your case per se, but I've definitely caught myself, I don't I want to call it making a mistake, but just kind of correcting for my, my own myopia at times. And more often than not, I find something new that I at least like a little bit. You know, and in, in, in I've been slow in the past, so this is a good point that you just made to to really cherish great female rock or folk artists or whatever on that level. But you know, I mean, I own Carol King records, Fleetwood Mac. I mean, I've I've come around. I'm just telling sure. you right now, if you have if you're not woke to Joni Mitchell, she is of a next level ilk, uh, both singing and songwriting and 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 the mind. It's just it is. Is she, a, the, one, is she the one who originally wrote Pink Furry Dice, put up a parking lot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, taxi cat, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. So whatever uh, the one that what's her face covered later. Yeah, she wrote Woodstock, but that's the thing. She has very little uh, on purpose, very little, you know, pop crossover hits. Um, I'm telling you, this album Blue is is unlike anything I ever I ever imagined it could be, and uh, and I'm a changed man because of it. That's my tip for this week. Uh, please get on on the end of that tip. All right, stay on the. Did end you of it and, did uh, you listen to it sober? I don't have to tell you anything about what I do when this camera turns off, Luke, okay? Right. This camera that turns your face the color of uh, fucking total beige? Look at that. Look yeah, how, people look think how I have lit liver up. failure, right? Yeah, people boy. are like, wow, sh- shout out to BC's liver. I mean, wow. Yeah, it's, it's, like, you a- got, you got, it's like, you know what? Jay was like, we got to get, get BC that jaundice color. That's, that's the color well, that we're missing here. I mean, look, shout out to the bubble here because obviously the numbers, COVID, Luke, California, not strong right now. Traveling is, is tough. Um, we can't even leave our 
hotel room for multiple days, you know, meals delivered to you, you know, and, and um, it's, uh, yeah, I'm not catching sun in here, Luke, okay? I'm working hard, all right? I'm, I'm, devil- I'm delivering to many different bosses, and I'm cashing those checks, but uh, it's me, some bed sheets, Joni, that's about it. That's, what, that's, that's my last five days, all right? Do you have big plans for the weekend? Uh, yeah, I'm going to work from home covering the Spence Garcia fight, you? <laughs> It's about right. Uh, my house is—I be- don't know if you guys have heard—my house is being renovated a little bit, so I have to walk around my own house, house with the Ooh, doors that- open and the windows open and my mask on. But other than that, it's fun. That Showtime cheddar or in the CBS uh, pay coming <laughs> actually around, right? quite literally. That's where the money is coming from. I didn't have it before. I got a new job. Got a little extra pocket change, BC. Plus, I've been saving and uh, gonna put it to some good use. My house hasn't been remodeled since it was built, so nice. it is—it's nice. starting to look like you're. I mean. People were coming over and be like, is, did, you, "Did you get your grandma's couch? What couch are you using here?" So, yep, yep. Uh, I've been told we have another graphic to show here. Uh, Spotify. What are we talking about here? Oh, people who for for Spotify's Wrapped, people who had us basically either at or uh, the top of their lists, near the top of their lists for like year end podcast listening. So let's give them a shout out, Karen S, Muammar N, Ben L, Powell, Pavel P. Anthony P, Jack S, Misha W, uh, Pete F, Stefan, Tyson, Joshua, Chris G, Nathan R, Sam H, Peter P, Niall, Rory F, Jason W, Jennifer C. Jennifer C, wow, that woman doing it, unbelievable. Kevin G, Paul G, Rajat S, and then Jackson Dub. Look at that, BC. Good stuff to all those folks. Thank you so yeah. much. Thank you. To, really, thank you, everyone, for for. Uh, coming on this journey with us, subscribing, liking, all those stupid things, buying our merch. But, uh, Luke, I don't know if there's anyone as prolific in the fight sphere space as as your MK brethren right now. And uh, we're not slowing down. We're not stopping, okay? The lady who cut my hair goes, how often do you podcast? I said, three times a week, lady. She goes, wow, well, that's a lot. A, I, said, a I said, <laughs> I said, well, I got to afford these fucking expensive-ass haircuts one way or the other. But in all seriousness... <laughs> Uh, yeah, dude, we put out, we, honestly, I think we put out maybe too much content, but maybe that's debatable, but at a bare minimum, you can't say you don't get enough. I mean, there's plenty of stuff. And today I have an interview with someone. I think we'll put that out tomorrow though. I don't want to say which names BC, but you've got interviews lined up for next week. Dude, I cannot wait for at least one, if not two of those, they're going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with love Luke. Okay. Thank you. The and then MMA dissect or uh, uh, MK dissected just went away. <laughs> it, well, <laughs> you know what? I might no, bring it you... back. I might bring it back for the boxing fight. We'll see. We'll see how things go. Serves you right for making that awful Pat Tillman joke that time on there, Luke. I yeah, mean, was that on, me? You know? Was that me who did that, or was that some guy named Big Beige? I can't remember. I mean, I may have made a reference to nudes as well on a podcast about a guy who uh, got who got wrongfully jailed for. Not touching children, so yeah. I mean, the good news looked, is those those interviews did huge numbers on our channel. I was so glad that they succeeded. Well, yeah, we only had to wait two months to post it after uh, <laughs> after uh, guys, guys has the uh, has the interest in this uh, show uh, worn out. Hit the publish button. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's the MK for the week. Shout out to our great staff, Showtime, Malka, CBS Sports. Uh, it's a collective effort. Shout tell, out to Luke t- Thomas, we got tell folks okay? about social and then the email, all that good shit. Yeah, go ahead. All right, social. What do we got here? Hit a, these are the handles you can follow us, the show on. Please grab a handle. All right. Gaff, we'll we here. For, I think Gaff. There we go. There we go. 
There we go. At Morning Combat, of course, on your uh, social channels. Uh, a little bit different on the names there for Luke and I across the board, but uh, that's it. You know, have job. We will cash your check. This is Morning Combat. This is what we do. All right. Thank you to the staff. Thank you to the people. 30 days free showtime. Why not? Why not, guys? It starts tonight with the Hector Macho Camacho story. Uh, you got to see that doc. And also, I'm told, Luke, uh, by many a source, including uh, a brethren in this game, Josh Nason, who says, you want to pump or pimp something for Showtime, how about that Comedy Store docu-series? I haven't checked it out yet, Luke, but I will be. Okay, maybe okay. right after this. All, All right. right, I'll take a look. Thank you. Thank you, Showtime. Thank you, India. Thank you, Providence. All right, for Luke Thomas, uh, I am Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Uh, nobody does it better, right? It's pretty damn We're out. <laughs>